Pope Francis, who has had some 25 meetings with all the religious leaders of the world, bringing them together. And in those meetings, he denied definitively that Jesus was the only way to God. That is sheer heresy. That is a false prophet who is speaking. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church of Beaufort, South Carolina. We're in a study of the Revelation and have moved into chapter 18, which looks at the new Babylon, a city where the Antichrist will make his headquarters. We've seen that the city will be a hub of immorality and apostasy. But it is in this chapter that things begin to change and Babylon will ultimately fall. Since we've been gone a few days, let's begin by reviewing the events leading up to this great fall. Take God's Word with you this morning, Revelation chapter 18. If you're here for the first time, we are in a chapter-by-chapter and verse-by-verse study of the revelation of Jesus Christ, as it's called, given to the Apostle John and then given to us in turn. Now, we've been learning that the Bible teaches that at the end of time, right before the second coming, the greatest political leader in history will come on the scene, and he will emerge, the Bible teaches, from the former Roman Empire. He will have such control that he will have authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation, as Revelation 13 teaches. His empire will be the most extensive in all of human history. He will rule with a compelling dynamic that is both deceptive and demonic, and he will win over virtually everyone. He'll astound the world with his cleverness, with his solutions to the world's problems. He will be a savior of sorts. However, once his power is consolidated, he will show disdain and hatred and persecution towards true born-again Christians and towards the Jewish people. The Bible identifies this man with some 30 different titles. The most popular that we know him by is the Antichrist. Now, chapters 17 and 18 are probably the two most difficult chapters in the Revelation, but they are important because it teaches us how the Antichrist, among other things, will be able to consolidate his power. In Revelation chapter 17, we saw that he will use religion as a glue of sorts in which to bind the nations of the world. Up until we came to chapter 17, Babylon, this city, has only been mentioned twice, and now God takes two chapters to detail it. Chapter 17 and verse 1 opens with these words, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, come here and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls, we've been studying the bowl judgments, He says, come and see, I want to show you this great harlot. So we studied the great harlot. She is given the title also the mother of harlots. And we saw that God uses his people descriptively as a bride, both with the Jewish people in the Old Testament and with the church in the new. But false religion is a form of harlotry. And so God pushes the pause button again. He brings us into slow motion as in the 17th chapter, he shows us this false religious system that will come on the scene. In chapter 17, it is a real city, 
and it is a real system. And we will see the same here in the 18th chapter. Chapter 17 describes a religious system called Babylon. Chapter 18 describes an economic system also called Babylon. And both are destroyed at different times. Now, Babylon is an important city in the Bible. There are 404 verses in the Revelation. 44 of them have to do with this city and this system called Babylon. That's 11% of the book of Revelation, so it's pretty important to God. God knew that his people, not just at the end of time, who will be pouring over this book, but in every dispensation that God's people in every generation would need to understand this system and this city that we might guard our own hearts because there are expressions of it in every generation, though it will be codified in a unique way during the tribulation. There are two cities that are mentioned more than any other two cities in all of the Bible. One is Babylon and the other is Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem is first mentioned in Genesis chapter 14. The last time it is mentioned is in Revelation chapter 21, over 800 times. It's pictured as God's city. It's called the holy city. It is a city that God has set apart out of all the nations of the world. Now, you may think that Washington or Moscow or Beijing or Tokyo or Paris or New York are more important, but in God's word... The most significant city in all of human history in both Testaments is the city of Jerusalem. But the devil is going to try to usurp the place and plan that God has for Jerusalem by creating an unholy capital, an unholy city from which the Antichrist will reign. It will not be the city of God as Jerusalem is termed. It will be the city of man. And Babylon is the second most featured city in the Bible, mentioned some 300 times. First, it's introduced to us in Genesis 10. The last time you find it is in Revelation 18, where it is finally destroyed. And just as Jerusalem represents the plans and purposes of God, so does Babylon. So the Old and New Testament alike are full of prophecies concerning Babylon. If you remember, we studied the genesis of this city We took a whole sermon almost on it as an introduction to Revelation 17, where we looked at the Tower of Babel. In the Septuagint, it's called the Tower of Babylon. Babel is just a shortened version of the name Babylon. And if you remember, Nimrod pulled together a federation of people to try to exalt himself above God. And the first unified religion in all the world takes place there where they tried to deify the creation as seen in that ziggurat and dethrone the creator. And Nimrod in the Tower of Babel, of course, was just a prototype of the coming Antichrist. In Genesis, in kernel form, all the way through it, you find by illustration, by type, pictures of what God is going to do in the future. And we will see that this Antichrist who is yet to come, who will come out of the Roman Empire, will mimic Nimrod in many ways. So with that said, we want to, uh, we've studied the first three verses, and if you weren't here before Easter, for Revelation 18, 1, 2, 3, you might want to go back and listen to it. It was really foundational to the whole chapter. You can download the app, search the scriptures, or go to communitybiblechurch.us and get it there. But we're going to read beginning in verse 1 so we have a flavor of the flow. Revelation 18, follow along. After these things, 
I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illumined with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people." so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back even as she has paid, and give back to her double according to her deeds. And the cup which she has mixed, mixed twice as much for her, to the degree that she glorified herself and lived sensuously, To the same degree, give her torment and mourning. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and am not a widow and will never see mourning. For this reason, in one day, her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire for the Lord God who judges her is strong. Now, it's been many weeks since we've been in the Revelation, so let me bring you into the context of this chapter. The Bible teaches that Christ was dead, buried, risen from the dead, ascended into heaven, and he is coming back again. And we will see that second coming when we come to the 19th chapter. And then when we come to the 20th chapter, we will see that judgment expressed where in the end all unbelievers are cast into the lake of fire. Now, when the lost are removed, Christ will then set up his kingdom. And the Bible teaches that the kingdom promised in the Old Testament, the length of which is given in the New Testament, that he will literally rule and reign for 1,000 years. Now, this next slide gives you kind of a visual picture between the distinctions of the first and second coming. The first time Jesus came, he came as a savior. He came to give his life on the cross. He paid in full your sin debt and mine so that we could be free. But when he comes again, he is coming as a judge. The first time he came, he came in humiliation. But when he will come again, he will come in exaltation. He came the first time as a suffering servant, but when he comes again, he will be a sovereign king. The first time he experienced mockery. The second time he will experience majesty. The first time he came as a sower in grace. When he comes again, he will be a reaper in wrath. There will be no tree for him to hang upon, but there will be a throne for him to sit upon. We'll study that in the 20th chapter. He came the first time in poverty to a cross. He will come a second time in majesty, riding on a cloud, the Bible says. When he came the first time in mockery, they put a reed in his hands. When he comes the second time, he will literally rule with a rod of iron. So chapter 19 describes what happens after the return of Christ, and then chapters 20 to 22 will describe what happens after that return. So right now, we're in that section, chapters 6 through 18, that represents the time of the great tribulation before Christ rules and reigns for a thousand years. Now, chapter 18 is a very important chapter for us to understand because it gives us a picture of the world conditions just before Jesus comes to set up his kingdom. More than any other time in all of human history has our world been tied together with a single economy. 
When I was a little boy, that was not true. Pretty much the nations of the world were somewhat independent. Now we have a global economy. Everything has changed. And the greatest expression of that global economy is yet to come, and it will come in Revelation 18. Now, remember, there's a difference between Babylon and 17 and Babylon and 18. So let me just review that for a moment. Revelation 17 describes what's called Mystery Babylon. It's also given the title Babylon the Great. It's an important title. She is called the Mother of Harlots. And what's described in chapter 17 is the religious system. But now in chapter 18, once the, uh, the peoples of the world are glued together through these various religions, we come now to the 18th chapter where we find a picture of economic Babylon. Now, Babylon will exist for two different reasons, sharing much in common. Number one, it is the same city, both Babylons. It's in a place called Rome, and we let Scripture interpret Scripture And we saw that it could only refer to one city on the place of the earth. Both chapters describe this city as having a form of satanic power behind it. Both chapters describe the Antichrist, called the beast in that chapter, as the sovereign ruler over religious Babylon and then over economic Babylon. Both chapters hate the saints of God. They slaughter the tribulation believers. And both chapters, we will see, are associated with the kings of the earth and with fornication, sexual immorality. Yet when you come to chapter 18, there are some marked differences between mystery Babylon in chapter 17 and Babylon the Great as it's also called in chapter 18. And it's not by accident that it's called Babylon the Great in both chapters because it's referring to the same place. And there is a formal title that is given to Babylon in the 17th chapter. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. She's the mother of all harlotry. And we saw in the context, it's talking about the religions of the world. There are religious abominations that are going to be expressed during the first half of the tribulation where the religions of the world come together in an eclectic way and they join together. And yet, in fact, why don't you turn back to chapter 17 for just a moment. Turn back to chapter 17. Look, if you will, at verse 9 where this place is described. John says here, Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. This one world religion where the woman or the harlot sits is described as a place of seven mountains. Now, there's a lot of novels that are written today about end times, and that's what they are, novels. Some of them have degrees of biblical truth, but a lot of them are filled with inaccuracies. One popular novelist describes this coming Babylon as current-day Iraq. That's impossible. Tim LaHaye in his Left Behind series describes this religious Babylon as being the city of New York. Others have chosen places like Mecca or Jerusalem. And the temptation sometimes is to interpret the Bible through current events rather than to interpret current events through the Bible. 
We know, as verse 18 indicates, that this place, Babylon, is called the great city, and that she is a city that sits on seven mountains, a city that sits on seven mountains. Seven mountains or seven hills, the word is used interchangeably, and so different translations in your Bibles, it's of the same place. And we're told here that the kings of the earth will commit spiritual fornication. Now, the city, as we narrow down through Scripture, could be only one place in the world, and it is the city of Rome, the capital of the former Roman Empire. And since the Antichrist, the Bible teaches as we studied in Daniel, comes out of the former Roman Empire, we're not entirely surprised that the capital of that former empire becomes the capital city for the coming Antichrist. Now, let me refresh your memory as to why Babylon cannot be Iraq or New York or Mecca or some other place. Babylon today, that is Babylon in Iraq, is not a great city. And God had prophesied about that place in the future. Let me read to you from the prophet Isaiah chapter 13. There God says, behold, I'm going to stir up the Medes against them, against the Babylonians, who will not value silver or take pleasure in gold, and their bows will mow down the young men. They will not even have compassion on the fruit of the womb. Sounds like modern-day America. Nor will their eye pity children. And Babylon, the beauty of kingdoms, the glory of the Chaldeans' pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And then he says in verse 20, it will never be inhabited or lived in from generation to generation, nor will the Arab pitch his tent there, nor will shepherds make their flocks lie down there. And that's true to this day. So when Saddam Hussein decided he wanted to rebuild ancient Babylon, he started, he laid a few bricks. 97% of it still lays desolate. And actually the buildings he built were outside of the old city of Babylon. And today, as I showed you pictures earlier, they're in total disrepair and disrepute. It cannot be the place that Saddam Hussein said because God said that he would overthrow Babylon like Sodom and Gomorrah and that it would never be inhabited again. And even those few buildings he built are not inhabited And it has never been inhabited in several thousand years. Neither does the ancient city of Babylon meet the criteria of this place called Mystery Babylon. Because by definition, a mystery is something that was hidden in the Old Testament, but is revealed in the New Testament. So it's not by accident that God refers to this place as, as Mystery Babylon, because he's speaking in symbolic terms. We already saw God do that with the city of Jerusalem. In Revelation 11 and verse 8, he says, the great city which mystically is called Sodom and Egypt, referring, of course, to Jerusalem. Likewise, in 1 Peter 5, the apostle Peter mentions Rome as Babylon, which obviously could not be Iraq because it was uninhabited in in the apostle Peter's day as it is in our day. And yet he somehow symbolically says, she who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Peter is sending salutations 
from the members at the church in Babylon, which was a code word, kind of like Wall Street is for New York. Babylon was a code word in the first century for the city of Rome and not by accident because Rome was a, a city of great size and splendor and power and also decadence and depravity. And by the way, it is well documented that by the Jews since 70 AD, they have referred to the city of Rome as Babylon to this day in the Mishnah and the Talmud. They call current day Rome Babylon. And the church fathers all call current day Rome Babylon. Why? Because that's how you described it in code terms. If you wanted to speak about that wicked city that had its authority over you and the right to exercise the sword over you, you simply called it Babylon. Now, Revelation 17, 18 also tells us that God, through his angel, gives John an added meaning as to how we are to understand this entity known as the woman. Look at Revelation 17, 18. The woman whom you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. This tells us that the woman is both a false religious system and it is a city, much like the term the beast refers both to a person and a kingdom, and we saw that. But please note, the woman is the great city, not will be the great city. He is describing a real place that was in existence when he wrote the book of Revelation in 95 AD, which of course totally eliminates places like New York or Hollywood or any other city that you can think of. So we need to be discerning, which is why verse 9 begins, here is the mind which has wisdom. In other words, the truth that he is about to share involves some spiritual insight if we're to interpret it correctly. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. The great city, the Bible says, sits on seven mountains. And so the earliest commentary that we have on the book of Revelation written by Victorinus tells us that these seven mountains, these seven hills represented the city of Rome and not by uh, chance. It was obvious to every first century reader. So Mystery Babylon, chapter 17, is describing this harlot of harlots, these false religious systems that are going to come together. And of course, when you finish chapter 17 with us, we saw that the 10 kings went again with the Antichrist, went against this religious harlot and destroyed it with fire. Yet when we come to the 18th chapter, Babylon is not destroyed and it is going to be destroyed not by man, but the second time by God Almighty. How is this going to play itself out? Well, I will not be at all surprised that what he is describing is Vatican City. Here's a picture of the Vatican City. It sits on 100 plus acres. It's governed by an absolute monarchy called the Pope. It has its own flag. Its citizenship is different from the rest of Rome. In fact, they have been granted a permanent observer status in the United Nations, not represented by the ambassador that serves the city of Rome and the rest of the country of Italy. They have their own. With that said, I find it interesting that there are two separate destructions. Now, I told you I didn't think anyone could be dogmatic to say that the Pope is the one who is going to lead this uh, initial bring all the religions together, but I documented for you 
how the last three popes, and especially Pope Francis, who has had some 25 meetings with all the religious leaders of the world, bringing them together. And in those meetings, he denied definitively that Jesus was the only way to God. That is sheer heresy. That is a false prophet who is speaking. And I take no pleasure in saying that because he leads a huge group of people across the world. But I will not be at all surprised if this will become the headquarters of all these world religions, because understand, it will not be the Roman Catholic Church exclusively at this time. It's going to be all of the religions of the world brought together, all the isms brought together. But this could possibly be the headquarters. And so since we're told Babylon, religious Babylon, is destroyed, and yet the city continues, it might be that it's this center that is destroyed, and what continues is the rest of Babylon. If you look at chapter uh, 17 and verse 12, notice what we're told. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings. And then drop down to verse 16, where he tells us how they joined with the Antichrist in destroying religious Babylon. And the ten horns which you saw in the beast, these will hate the harlot, this one world religion, and will make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire. Yet somehow this city on seven hills or seven mountains, depending on your translation, continues. And it will later be destroyed by an act of God. And I think by the time we are finished with chapter 18, you will see that religious Babylon is slightly different from commercial Babylon that is highlighted in this chapter. Now, we studied chapter 17 in three sermons, and I just kind of reviewed them, three hours of preaching, but you might want to go back and listen to those if this is new to you. But God will glue, allow Satan to glue the governments of the world together with religion. There's something about religion that is binding. And initially, this bumper sticker that you will see on cars today will literally be fulfilled. The religions of the world will coexist. But in the midpoint of the tribulation, these 10 kings are going to come together and they're going to destroy this multiplicity of religions. It's what Jesus calls the abomination of desolation. This chapter... 17 does not identify when that will take place, but Jesus does and the prophet Daniel does. That right in the middle of the seven years, the Antichrist is not going to be satisfied with all of these religions of the world having their own way and worshiping as they choose. He is going to want singularity of worship, and unless you worship him, you will worship no one. And he will control the world both religiously and economically through a mark. And unless you take the mark, 666, on your right hand or your forehead, you will be executed, beheaded, Revelation 24, 20 verse 4 says. And millions who are converted during the time of the Great Tribulation will be beheaded. Tomorrow we'll continue our message as we begin digging into chapter 18 and take a look at the people who will be called out of the horrible city, Babylon, before its ultimate fall. To listen again to today's message, use the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets, or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. You can also order a CD or DVD by calling 877-787-7478 
and request program REV51. Things are still uncertain because of the COVID pandemic, but we are praying and trusting God for a resolution soon. As such, we've begun to make plans for another Search the Scriptures trip to Israel. Join Dr. Brogy in late September and early October 2021 as he leads an 11-day tour of the Holy Land. If you're interested, sign up to be notified as details unfold. Just visit searchthescriptures.org Israel. Tomorrow, part two of Called to be Different. Join us then as we search the Scriptures. <laughs>